Good morning. Woo. Hot mic. Good to be with you guys again. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Dan McGann. I'm the pastor of the Well Church in Nelson over in Lovingston. And um, most of you know who I am, and I'm glad to be back with you. Um, I remember last time that I was here, um, I spoke on sort of a topsegetical sermon on the subject of, does God want us to be happy? Um, and in that, we brushstroked a small, we, we, we referenced a book in the Bible called Philemon. And I remember saying, and my wife can tell you I don't remember much, so remembering this was pretty impressive. I remember saying that the next time I came, I would expound on that whole subject, that whole topic, that whole point that we made in Philemon. And so if you would, open your Bibles to the book of Philemon. And that is the 25-verse, one-chapter book uh, in the Bible right after Titus. And so, I want to read to you this letter, give you a little bit of background, we'll give some more background in a minute, just a little bit of letter, this, this, this letter accompanied the letter to the churches in Ephesus, it accompanied the letter to the church in Colossae, which Philemon's household was a church in Colossae, and this is written from Paul to a man named Philemon, who is a convert of Paul's, he became a believer, likely in Ephesus, on a trip to Ephesus and, and under Paul's ministry. And this letter is written to him, and it's written and accompanied these other letters because there was a situation. And the situation was, there's a person by the name Onesimus in our story I'm going to read. And Onesimus was a former slave or a bondservant of Philemon's household. And Onesimus ran away from them, likely stole something or took something with him when he did. And Paul sends a letter to Philemon. He not only sends a letter to Philemon, but Onesimus delivers the letter. So just to give you a little bit of background as we read this, I would love to receive a letter like this. Um, it's a little, it's really beautiful in the beginning. It's a little bit challenging. But the picture of the gospel is so beautiful in this small 25 verses. And we're going to unpack all of it today. So I'm going to read you the entire letter, and then we're going to get into it. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. That would be a great place to stop, wouldn't it? What a wonderful letter. What a wonderful letter. Then Paul goes on. He 
he says, and I'm reading from the ESV. Some of you may have NIV and other versions. Accordingly, though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Yet for love's sake, I prefer and <clears throat> excuse me, prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Now, that's in parentheses for a reason. I'm going to share that with you in just a second. I'm sending him back to you. Sending my very heart, I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of you owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Epiphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark and Aristarchus and Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that as we look at this letter, this beautiful letter, this inspired word of God, we just pray that you would give us clarity. That your word would not return void, so therefore it would reach into the desperately wicked hearts of man and it would convict. And Lord, it would also encourage and strengthen. And Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would do your work today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we we see a couple names in the beginning of the letter. Uh, we, We see particularly that Paul starts off with Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. Now, what's different about this letter is Paul usually starts off the Apostle Paul. He's usually giving some type of doctrine. He's usually uh, establishing some authority. But what we see here is Paul starting off and saying, hey, I am a prisoner of Christ. I am imprisoned currently. At, this, at the time of this letter, he was uh, uh, probably in, in, an, in a nasty prison in Rome. And he starts off and adds, and Timothy, our brother. What we see here, this is not the, the bulk of the, of the concept here, but what we see here is Paul is establishing Timothy as the next guy. He's saying, I'm get, I'm, I, he mentions later, I'm old, I'm in prison. Timothy is going to be the next person. 
Timothy's going to be my next guy. And, and the reason we feel that, and the reason that we, we, we point that out, is because he names some other people, one of whom helped deliver the letter, and he names them sort of at the end as a, hey, these guys also say hi. They're also still serving. They're also still doing the thing. But in the beginning, the, Paul, the letter is written from Paul and Timothy. So he says, Philemon, man, you've done so much great stuff. He mentions Philemon's wife, Aphia. He mentions Philemon's son, Archippus, who we know from the letter to the church in Colossae and that, that he is a church planter or a, a ministry worker of some kind. He's serving the Lord, likely in church planting. And he says, grace to you, peace from our God and Father, our Lord and Jesus. He says, I'm thanking you. He's, he's sort of establishing and reminding Philemon that, hey, we're brothers because of Christ. We have this affection and love for each other because of Christ. And this would stir up and remind Philemon of the friendship that he had with Paul, who led him to Christ, who, who brought him into the faith. And he gets to verse 8, and he says, all right, now, you've probably figured out, since Onesimus handed you this letter, that there's something that has to happen. So let me establish for you, let me, let me give you a little bit of background, a, a bond servant or a runaway slave, if caught and returned, the, 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 the owner or the master of that household could publicly flog them, could publicly humiliate them and punish them. Could also, since the, the, the sin here wasn't just running away, but there was likely, because Paul talks about him owing him something, there was probably some sort of theft here, and he took something. So that could increase the sentence to death. So here we have a returning bondservant who ran away from his household how sovereign is god that philemon's bondservant runs away and goes to rome where most runaway slaves would go and they could fall into this melting pot of cultures and and creeds and and races how sovereign is god that onesimus runs away from Philemon, and lands in the lap of Paul in Rome. Not only does he land in his lap somehow, not only is he introduced somehow through the church that's happening in Rome, but he, he gets led to Christ. Paul says he's become my son in the faith. He's become my son. How sovereign is God? Now here Onesimus thought he was running away, and he was actually running too. Isn't that fun? So Onesimus hand delivers this letter back to Philemon. And Paul says this, hey, I appeal to you. I'm, I'm, I'm appealing to you. I became his father in my imprisonment. And in parentheses in verse 11, we see he says, formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Now here's something else that's beautiful about the sovereignty of God. Onesimus means useful. He wasn't living up to his name. 
He had been given a name that he would later live up to. The name in itself means useful. But Paul sort of plays on his name here and he says, hey, he was useless to you before. Now, now he's useful. Now he's living the purpose God has and even named him for. He is useful. So we have this little uh, intimacy there where Paul is saying, hey, his name finally means something. He is our brother, and I'm sending him back to you. Now, Paul does something here that we, we actually see fairly pre- prevalent in the churches today, in the big C church, what I'm talking about. Paul says, all right, here's the options I have. I'm sending him back to you because I would have been glad to keep him here in order that he could serve me. He could have stayed here with me. I could have just sent you a letter that said, hey, by the way, Onesimus got saved and I'm going to hold on to him. He could have taken the easy way out. He could have avoided the need for any conflict. He could have avoided the the, the possibility that Philemon would sin in this whole thing. Because you have to remember, this was not only a step of faith for Paul to send Onesimus back to Philemon. It was a step of faith for Onesimus to make the journey. Because there was no guarantee that Philemon wasn't going to kill him when he came back. Now Philemon, being a wealthy landowner and and someone prominent in Colossa, there were probably other prominent members of the society that were leaning on him as the word that Onesimus was back in town. Hey, you better do something about this. You better make an example of him. Those words were probably chirping. And Paul says, I could have taken the easy way out. I could have just kept him here. But I want to do nothing without your consent. And he says this, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. He says, Philemon, I could make you forgive Onesimus. You could cross your arms, you could say, okay, I forgive you. Isn't that how we often forgive? We say, fine, you're forgiven. That, that's not really forgiveness, right? That's, that's not really what godly forgiveness is. What Paul is saying is, I want to know that the gospel is true in you. And that you have an opportunity to receive back a brother in Christ, someone who has wronged you, someone who has stolen from you, someone who has cost you. But you're going to receive him back, not because I'm making you, but because you want to. Because your love is genuine. Because the love that Christ had for you is now on display in you. And you're going to receive him, not out of compulsion, but because you truly do get it. So Philemon, do you get it? For this is perhaps, he says in verse 15, why he was apart from you for a while. Maybe this is why. He, he's, he's maybe even trying. This is something we always try to do. We always try to answer. Well, why did this happen? We, we even think, uh, our, our sister just mentioned something about uh, tragedies in, her, in the town they just left. Why? We, we, we begin to think, why did this happen? Why does something happen? And Paul just maybe feeds just a little bit here and says, perhaps this is why. This whole thing went down. Perhaps this is why you went through the pain that you went through. Perhaps this is why you are now in the position you're in because you get to decide 
on your own are you going to do this? And he says, I truly believe that you're going to do it. I truly believe that you're going to forgive him. And he says, so if you consider me your partner, and here's where he says, here's the gospel in all of this, Philemon. Here's the gospel. I'm going to set the example now. Paul says, I'm going to set the example now. He says, so if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Paul says, here's what Jesus did for us on the cross. We wronged him, and he took it and paid it. He put it on his account. He paid it in full for us. We did the wrong. He paid the price. This is what Jesus did for us. This is what I'm willing to do for Onesimus. I'm going to put the gospel on full display in my life, and I'm going to assume anything. So if he stole, and Paul didn't know how much, he could have sold, stole thousands of dollars, and Paul says, I will repay it. It's on my account now. It's not charged to him. When you look at him, you don't, he doesn't owe you anything. Now I do. Just like when the Lord will look on us as we sang about the blood of Christ and, and, and the Lord will look on us and He will see His Son. He won't see us. He will see the perfection of Christ. That debt is no longer ours. And Paul puts that on full display here. He says, so if you consider me your partner, receive Him as you would receive me and charge it to my account. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. He says in verse uh, 20, refresh my heart in Christ. Now he's just described that he's an old man, he's a prisoner, and he's, he, he's saying, oh man, the news of this coming back to me, you receiving Onesimus back and receiving him like a brother, full display of the Gospel, man, this is going to refresh my heart. I want a benefit in the Lord from this. I want you to benefit me. Do this because you want to. Because the Gospel's true in your life. Because you truly do get it. And he says in verse 21, I'm confident of your obedience. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Now what does that mean? Perhaps he brought Onesimus back into the house and gave him the best job in the in the. Uh, in, in the mansion. I don't know. He says, but I know that you're going to do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare me a guest room. He says, I want to come see you. Why is this so important? Why is it so absolutely important? Well, let's look at who the letter is actually written to. The letter is written to Philemon, but it's also written, look at verse 1. Let's go all the way back to verse 1. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, verse 2, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. This is who the letter is written to. This is the audience that will read this letter. And now us. He says, this is so important. Because who do we have here? Who do we have in the audience watching all of this happen? 
Who we have is a future church planter who will see whether the gospel actually really is true in his dad's life. Archippus is watching whether Philemon brings him back, takes him into the public square, flogs him or kills him because all the other wealthy landowners are pressuring him to set an example. Philemon is going to set an example. Either way, no matter what happens, an example will be set. An example will be set if he chooses here, which is kill him publicly, and set an example to all the other indentured servants and all the other bond servants and all the other slaves that you better not run away and you better not steal because we'll kill you if you do. Or he's going to set the example that Christ has completely transformed his life and he views the world differently now. He has received this man back as a brother. And now he'll get the treatment of a brother. And culture and race and political and and civil status don't matter. This is what matters. What matters is you're my brother, Onesimus. And you're forgiven. And you owe me nothing. These are the examples that he has to set. He's going to set one or the other. He's going to either glorify and honor God or he's going to disappoint God greatly. He's either going to set the example to his son who is a ministry worker and church planter that, hey, this is all fake. It's all great to talk about it, but it doesn't actually apply to us personally. This is the example he would be setting if he didn't receive Onesimus back. Wife, here is the example I'm going to set for you. My forgiveness only goes so far. This is the example that Aphia would have received had he not handled this well. Now, nowhere in Scripture do we have a definitive that Philemon actually forgives Onesimus. But I will tell you this. There is evidences that he did. And the first evidence is that the church in Colossae flourished Quite honestly, I personally believe that the church in Asia Minor itself would have been damaged greatly if Philemon would have brought Onesimus back and killed him. It would have been detrimental to the future of the church in that region. It would have been horrible. It would have been terrible. And so we see evidence that that's not the case. We see evidence that the church continued Why? Because we're reading this letter today in 2020. And so what we see here is the importance of two things, and I'll wrap it up with this. Forgiveness is not just an action. It's not just an action. It's a, it's an, what's the word I'm looking for? It's an attitude. It's a mindset. Forgiveness is not based on the action. That's why forgiveness can't be an action alone. Forgiveness is based on who the sin ultimately is against. All sin is against God. All sin is against God. So, if all sin is against God, what would God's reaction to sin be 
And that would be the tendency to forgive it. So we see here the importance that Philemon forgive Onesimus, bring him into his home no longer as a slave, but as a brother. Because his identity changed, and so did ours in Christ. We're no longer a master of a household. We're a child of the king. Philemon isn't even identified anymore as master of his house. He's identified as child of the king. And Paul is begging him, don't do this out of compulsion, but do it because you want to. Because you truly believe the Gospel. Because you truly see who Jesus is. Because you are absolutely, absolutely a child of the King. So don't respond out of your, identity, your previous identity as landowner and master of the house. Now respond out of your new identity. Child of the King. Child of the Savior. Representative of Christ. Image bearer of God. That's your identity. And so we see that forgiveness is more than just an action, but it's an attitude. It's a mindset. It's viewing things differently. Forgiveness is also freeing because it relieves us of that tendency for us to say, you hurt me and I'm not going to forgive you. And then we turn around and we do the exact thing. We, we ask the exact thing of Christ that we are not willing to offer to someone else. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. He who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm just not willing to offer that. I'm only willing to ask for it. It makes us, it, it, it exposes us as hypocrites. This whole concept here. Paul closes with this. Refresh my heart in Christ. Man. Oh, Philemon. When I find out how you responded to this, it is going to refresh my heart in Christ. But what's the opposite of that? What if Philemon doesn't forgive Onesimus? What if he does take him to the public square and flog him or kill him? And it'll break Paul's heart that his brother was not actually real in his faith. This little 25 sentences, these 25 verses, they scream out to us, are we actually finding our identity in Christ are we actually trying to be image bearers of God? Or when it comes down to it, the offense of everyone else is okay, but when you offend me, that's a different story. Philemon had an example to set. He had an opportunity. He had an opportunity to refresh Paul's heart in Christ. He had an opportunity to show his son and his wife and the church that met in his home. How do you think the church would have responded to this? How would the church have responded if the host of the church killed one of their new converts? Could you imagine that? We celebrate new converts. We just had a new convert at the well. We have a young man who was uh, uh, 
very uh, outspoken agnostic for quite some time, and he has recently accepted Christ as his Savior. I can't wait to do his baptism. His name's Matt. Can't wait to do his baptism. Could you imagine if we took him out in the parking lot and shot him because he stole something from the church? What would that do? I guess what? The pastor of the well wouldn't be the pastor of the well anymore because there wouldn't be a well to pastor. Philemon has this opportunity to not only affect his own walk, to, to apply Christ to his own situation, to have an attitude of forgiveness and act on it, but he's going to affect churches all over the region, all over the world. The entire effect of this has great repercussions, and that's the second thing. Our lack of forgiveness, our attitude towards others, our attitude towards forgiveness affects more than us and the offender. It has ripple effects that could destroy a county, a state, a nation, that could affect so many hundreds and thousands of people. So my question to you is this. Because every single one of us, in one way or another, have had a Philemon-type situation. What was the example, or what is the example that you will set? Because you're setting an example. Let's pray. Father, I ask you, Lord, that your word would not return void. Lord, I am confident I am so looking forward to your presence when all of this will be revealed, but I am so looking forward to Philemon 2 when I get to heaven, when I get to your presence, when I find out by talking to my brother about what happened. And Lord, I'm excited to know just from the evidence of the effectiveness of gospel ministry after this, I'm very confident that my brother Philemon did as not only Paul wished, but ultimately as you wished and you set the example for. So Lord, I, I pray now for my brothers and sisters here, my brothers and sisters that will one day hear this message or come across it in an archive one day. What example are we setting? And are we actually operating in our new identity? Are we operating in the identity as a follower of Christ, an image bearer of God, a, a child of the King? Or are we still operating in our previous identity? Selfish. Wicked heart. What is mine is mine. So Lord, I, I pray now that you would affect through the power of the Holy Spirit the hearts, the attitudes, and even the identities of the listeners and the hearers. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.